five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. And now I got a green box, which means that it's supposed to be working really well. Uh, it doesn't look really any different, but it's a green box anyway. So maybe it'll clear up for you, or you can listen to the podcast available every day, pretty much on the on the uh, on the WDMA website. You can go over there and get the podcast. I don't think you even have to be subscribed to get that. I do edit it down a little, so like this kind of stuff might be gone, uh, but you don't want to hear that anyway. Uh, my commercials. Um, so up, oh, yeah, it looks like it cleared up. Magic. <laughs> I just. I lean heavily on magic in this show, as you can tell. Okay, so let's get over to Tom Fishburne for the week and see what he's got to say. As I said, I don't have any yellow marks all over it because it uh, got eaten. Um, So Tom is going to talk about the chief marketing something or other. And uh, a lot of companies, Unilever is the latest to drop marketing uh, this past month from their CMO. Um, in 2019, they had they added the chief digital and marketing officer. Big mistake, if you ask me, because digital is so rife with fraud. And uh, maybe they're equating the two. Maybe they're equating marketing with fraud. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, and the new CDCO, which is what they're calling it, Connie Breams, Brahms, Connie Brahms, it's a little small here, um, said, and no, before you ask, we're not dropping marketing, we're adding sales. Well, they didn't add sales, they added digital. Now, what the heck that means, I don't know. That's like ridiculous. So good luck, Unilever. Because as we know, digital is ethereal and fictional mostly. Okay, so other big companies, Johnson Johnson, Lyft, Beam, Sun Story, I've never heard of them, Suntory, Taco Bell and Hyatt, other organizations like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, dropped chief marketing officer title only to later bring it back. And um, why? Okay, some people think that the CMO field is responsible for results that are often handled by other areas you know i've when i was uh vp of marketing this is before the cfo cmo title came to be um when i was just vp of marketing i had i was in charge of customer service order entry um outbound inbound telemarketing i was in charge of mailing circulation i was in charge of the creative direction um so i had a lot of pieces I don't think most CMOs have all that stuff under them, um, especially, you know, oftentimes operations handles the uh, handles the order processing. And, and, you know, one of the things that happened, we, we were trying to do something no one had ever done. We were trying to take custom orders um, with people basically untrained in our industry, and we managed to get it working. It, it took us a while. But what used to take six months to train someone took six days by the time we finished. And, um, but we didn't have control of the credit check. In those days, we would actually offer open account to people rather than just take a credit card. And, uh, and 
So we're taking all these orders and we're not seeing the sales. And finally, what happened was um, we went over, to, I went over to the credit check people and they confessed that they had, I would say, hundreds of orders in drawers that they were holding because they just hadn't gotten to them yet. And I explained to the president of the company that, that yes, if we loosen our credit policies, we will get more uh, bad debt. It was only 0.5%, I think, at the time, which is like nothing. Um, but, but the extra sales and the speed would make up for it. And I don't know how we worked that out, but eventually, I think we had got more people in the credit department. Um, but that was an example where I didn't have authority over that area. You know, the orders got taken presumably well, but not actually put into the system <laughs> because they were waiting for, and, and Norm used to say, uh, an order that doesn't pass credit isn't a, a real order, which there's, you know, he's right. I mean, I, I get what he's saying, but anyway. So um, Rebecca Messina, former CMO at Uber said, when new words are invented or others used differently than they were used in the past, it's because new meaning is sought. One way to get new meaning is to give it a new name. But I would argue that creating the new meaning, that we should first create the new meaning and then, then, and then name it later, right? Um, even if, and Sarah Hofstetter, Hofstetter, board member at Campbell Soup said, even if it's just semantics changing the title may lead to removing marketing skill from the c-suite at the time when business can least afford it i think it really gets back to the credibility problem with marketing that marketing too often markets their own ideas with a shift and a slant and what we see is is that their projections and their or their optimism don't match the results and that's where the C-suite breaks down. The CMO gets axed by the CFO, and perhaps rightly so. Um, this is from Chris Jurder, Jordan, I'm sorry, Chris Jordan, and he um, he got he used he used Tom Cruise as a decoy name. Now, his article explains this, and I'll explain it also. In the direct mail industry, one of the things that all list owners should do if they don't is put their own names into their own list um, the number one way that lists get stolen in the history of direct mail was always that some internal disgruntled employee disgruntled employee would basically lift the whole list now you can put it all on a thumb drive and uh, sell it on the open market and uh, the trouble is, and so in our list pull system, we have a way to put decoy names into the system that even the IT department wouldn't know we're in there. Just in case. Okay. And the idea is, is that <clears throat> we put certain addresses in and the addresses track everything that comes to them with something similar to a certain set of conventions. Oftentimes, what we would do is put a suite number or a box number or just a number at the end of the street address. So it would be 123 Main Street, you know, box 10 or box 12 or whatever. And that number would increment 
and the postman knew that it wasn't a meaningful number because there was only one building there or whatever uh, or knew the name of the company and so we would use we would use incremental numbers in the address which would also typically uh, we sometimes we did it in the street address the postman knew and that would be a way to track it back to a specific list renter Chris doesn't get into this detail and probably writes rightly so but we would track whenever someone would rent our list we would track we would put the decoy names modify the decoy names all behind the scenes all automatic so that we would know if that list was used more than was paid for we would also know if that list was resold okay besides the internal security so there's a quite a tight system very very simple and straightforward but um, to, to protect mailing lists what Chris is arguing in this letter or in this article in LinkedIn is that um, today most direct mail lists are rented meaning the advertiser pays the broker or list owner anytime they use the data okay or you can buy it unlimited use or you can buy it for an annual use there's a lot of things you can do so today most direct mail lists are rented meaning the advertiser pays the broker to use the data to monitor the usage professional list owners typically and that usually the broker will also include decoy names or seed names okay so Chris made up a name Tom Cruise at his own residence as a decoy name you can do the name but um, sometimes oftentimes we will take older names from our own file and mail them without a name you know or current resident something like that and um, depending on how we run the merge um, those names might get thrown out even though someone is reusing the names so it's a little bit of a puzzle but you know as long as you keep track of it and Chris seems to be keeping track of it um, and what he found was that people magazine sent him a subscription and um, now people may be a controlled circulation which means they could send anybody they want a circ uh, anybody they want a uh, a magazine my barber gets all kinds of magazines um, and Chris explains that Tom Cruise is close enough to an actual real name whereas Mickey Mouse and some others will get thrown out by the list hygiene process okay but anyway so so the the point he's making is that people magazine gave him a gave him a uh, a subscription gave Tom Cruise a subscription even though it's a fake person the more serious issue was down in here where he used his son's name on a 65 year old plus uh, subscription or a campaign um, used his son's name and now his son is getting pre-approved for capital and getting like supposedly cr credit information I think he actually called capital one and they said they'd gotten it from a credit uh, source you know they said well who has good credit now the way that question is answered is it's answered by the home address okay the home has the credit okay <laughs> that's how they do it and uh, even though you're when you actually get a formal credit score you may but they may even do a credit score a score for the postal code that you live in 
and say, oh, this is a good neighborhood. Everybody's got a pretty good postal code. So we'll sell that as a high credit score area. That may be the way that you entered the name. And thus, this name gets put in even though it has no credit score because the, the, apparently the, the son is 15 years old. Now, I'm not sure if Chris, uh, if Chris understands the nuances of all this, but his, his suggestion is that this is an inappropriate use of that name. But, it, you know, of course it depends. <laughs> it depends on how it got created and where it got launched. Extremely interesting. It depends mostly on how well Chris has kept track of it all. Um, so he's suggesting that we should contact People Magazine or Capital One and try to track this down. Um, the courts have been really good about if you if you do keep track of your decoy names, the courts are really good about about substantial fines to people who have misused a list. Because the presumption is, see, in this case, it's just one name, I think. Whereas in the case of the way we use decoy names when we sell our list, is the implication is if the decoy name shows up multiple times in unauthorized by unauthorized advertisers, that the entire list has been stolen. And the courts are really good about tracking that down. So I suggest, Chris, that you you go through the trouble, you know, Back in the in the 90s, it was worth five grand per per illegitimate use minimum. The courts would give you. So I think that what you want is, I think you definitely want to chase this down. And uh, you know, if you give me a call, we can find an attorney together for you and maybe make this happen. <coughs> this was an interesting thing at the end. Funny thing, my wife's name is Maki, and she started getting offers addressed to Maki Jarden. Now is that how is that different than her than his oh it's Jordan. So he changed a, a letter of the last name to Jarden. And now she's getting mailings by that changed name. Oftentimes in the list hygiene process, we'll take the most recent name that looks similar. So that makes perfect sense again. So I hope you enjoyed this trip through list hygiene and the protections that direct marketing or direct mail affords the user and the renter um, to keep everybody safe. But I would like to hear from, from Chris more specifics. Maybe we can get him on the show. Um, so anyway, have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.